Hello, and welcome to the She Flourishes podcast, a weekly soul-stirring conversation that lifts you out of the funk and into the flourishing life, so you can live life as the best version of you. I'm your host, Brenda Jasmine. For the past 11 years, I've been coaching women and leading personal development workshops as a speaker and mindset coach. She Flourishes is an extension of those workshops and conversations and is designed to help you create the flourishing life that you were meant to live. Let's get started. Today I have with me um, an amazing person. Her name is Trish Tutton, and she is a speaker and mindfulness teacher, and she has taught mindfulness to thousands of people across North America for the last decade. She's deeply passionate about empowering people to meet the challenges of their life with more peace and presence. And she really is an advocate of helping people use the practice of mindfulness to reduce their stress and anxiety and to create individual as well as team resilience. And you can find her as a teacher on the number one free meditation app in the world, Insight Timer. Some of you may have heard of it. And she is also the author of the Mindful Mornings Journal. And Trish is on a mission to help you be calmer, happier, and more effective in your life. So welcome to the podcast, Trish. Thank you, Brenda. So thrilled to be here and and chat and reconnect with you. Yes, yes. It's so great to reconnect. So Trish and I were just remembering that we had met, we were both part of a a speaker, uh, like a, a, a training course for keynote speaking quite a while ago now. And, uh, and we connected over that. And I really wanted to bring you on the podcast, Trish, because I think the work that you do in the world around mindfulness and meditation is such an important, um, it's so important for people to learn this so they can flourish in their lives. And I love your approach. And I'm excited to share, um, share your insights to have you share your insights with everyone here today. So maybe you could just start by just telling us a little bit about how you came to the work of being like a mindfulness and meditation teacher. Yeah, for sure. So I remember, well, it's funny because if you had asked my mom, she would say the first time I was introduced to yoga or mindfulness in any capacity was on our living room floor doing yoga videos with her when I was like <laughs> little, little, little. I don't Aww. remember that. So we're going to trust her. Yes. Oh, <laughs> her that's so story, great. That's where where it begins. But what I remember is really in university starting to take some yoga classes, um, really for the purposes of like, you know, I was sitting a ton in lectures and writing papers. And I just was like, I need to move my body. And as I was, you know, living away from family and going to school, I mean, stresses start to build. I mean, kids have stress too, but I was noticing stress Mm -hmm. was building in my life, whether it was like stress over my roommates or stress mm-hmm. with a relationship or a situationship or yes. a <laughs> stress <laughs> with my family or stress with my exams. Yes. And I also had heard that yoga was not only really good for your body, but there was this kind of mind component to it, mm-hmm. this like stress reduction component. So fast forward to me graduating from university and yoga just kept kind of I don't know what it is for you, Brenda, but I feel like everybody has this where there's something in your life that just keeps like pulling you in its direction. Mm -hmm. Like you feel magnetized toward Mm. it. There's just something that you just keep going back for more. And that was yoga for me. Um, 
I remember even saying to my mom as I was exploring yoga at this time saying, I don't know what it is, but every time I finish a yoga class, life is just better. Like none of my problems are solved. You know, nothing has dramatically changed, but I feel changed. I feel like I'm approaching life very differently. Yes. So fast forward to, yeah, graduating from university, I just, this pull, it kept pulling me in. And I thought I'm going to take a, a yoga teacher training program. I had no intentions to teach, no intentions for my life to be what it is now. Um, I just wanted to explore. It was like, I need to deepen my understanding of this. I remember that program. It was about six months long. And I remember everything the teacher said. It's like my whole body just kept saying yes to everything I was learning. And it was like, this is mind blowing. You know, I felt wow. like somewhere inside, I already knew these things to be true. Mm -hmm. And it was like somebody was just reminding me of things that I already knew. So uh, after that, I entered, you know, just the regular working world. I was working in not for profits. I had Really, I think since um, high school, I had this like this real drive to be of service and to help people with my work. So I was working in a lot of not-for-profits. And as I was kind of building my career alongside still practicing yoga, practicing mindfulness, I was noticing that in a lot of my jobs, people were overwhelmed, mm -hmm. people were stressed, people were burnt out, and they actually seemed quite miserable <laughs> often. Mm -hmm. A lot of negativity, a lot of feelings of like people just being unfulfilled in their life and irritated and frustrated. And I um, ended up kind of figuring out how to tie these two worlds together where I thought somehow I could bring what I know from yoga and mindfulness teachings to the people who may not necessarily find themselves walking into a yoga studio. Maybe that's not their jam. They don't want to mm -hmm. take off their socks. They don't want to stick their butts in the air and eat a downward dog. <laughs> but they could still benefit from this stuff. Mm. That kind of piecing together of things really came pretty soon after um, I suffered a, a big loss and a, a really um, dramatic loss in my life. My mom, uh, we lost her really, really suddenly mm. to breast cancer when she was 55. Mm -hmm. um, so that piece really factored in there too. I think, mm -hmm. I think in that moment, it was like this clarifying moment of like, I might not have all the time in the world that I thought I did, that mm -hmm. I thought we all did. Mm -hmm. And so it was like this shift of, okay, hold on. I kind of thought that I would just work in these office jobs and do my thing. And cause that's what you do. And then after losing her, it was really, yeah, this pivotal moment of like, wait a second, this isn't really what I love to do. What I really love is this yoga and mindfulness piece. So then mm -hmm. figuring out how to put it together to also solve, you know, this problem that people, I saw people suffering all the time, my colleagues. So it really, mm -hmm. yeah, it was that kind of pivotal moment of putting together a few different pieces that mm -hmm. led me to now doing what I do. Yes. Thank you for sharing that, Trish. And I'm so sorry about your mom. And, and I remember that's, how we connected to right is that um the story of how you know i lost my dad when he was 65 and and you and i kind of had that similar experience of losing a parent at a younger age and that having such a dramatic impact that it's like you really face your own mortality like oh like i may not have um all the time in the world and i too was i was in a job i didn't enjoy when i lost my dad and so it it had a it, it is um it's it's a terrible way to learn that lesson. And yet, um, 
I guess the the positive part that comes out of it is that it does make you realize that you need to potentially make a change in your life. So yeah. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And I also really resonate with you talking about how, yeah, finding that thing that just, <laughs> I, I loved the word you used, it magnetizes you and, and draws yeah. you in. And it's like, you just, you can't almost get enough of it. It's like, yes. it's such a beautiful thing when that happens. And so, and I can just feel um, your energy. Um, <laughs> those of you listening to the podcast can't see uh, Trish, but she just lights up when she talks about this. And so I, I think um, your enthusiasm for this. And, and I think that's, um, I love highlighting that too, because um, you know, some people listening, they're like, I don't know what the thing is that I love to do, or I don't know. And so I always think that it's it's great to hear these stories about when people do find um, yeah. what brings their passion and what they're enthusiastic about and their their purpose. And I think that really, um, it's so amazing when that happens and it's so exciting. So, and I'm so glad you're sharing your your love of all of this for the world. So Trish, we talked a little bit before we got on about um, one of the things we were talking about was, you know, mindfulness and meditation and how that's a big focus of what you do now. And that maybe not everyone is clear on the difference between mindfulness and meditation. So yes. can you just walk us through? Because sometimes I think they're used interchangeably, but they're not exactly the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, it just popped into my mind. <laughs> I've heard people say things and I have kind of a cheeky little like Instagram reel about this, how it's not not true. But people will say like, oh, well, running is my meditation or yeah. <laughs> knitting is my meditation or gardening is my meditation. It's like, well, not quite. But again, this is probably due to the misconception. So here we go. Mm -hmm. This is my job. This is my expertise. I'm here to bust that misconception. That's my yes, job. Yes. So essentially the best way I like to describe it, I like to give an analogy because meditation is really like exercise for your brain. So let's look at another, let's kind of compare it to a different form of exercise, right? So let's say, you know, folks who are listening, think of whatever kind of exercise or movement you do. Maybe you run, maybe you go to CrossFit, maybe you go to yoga, maybe you do strength training. That's your exercise. And you do that exercise to build a skill, whether it's physical strength or maybe it's cardiovascular health or joint health or bone density or whatever, right? You're doing that exercise. You are literally stopping everything else you're doing in your life. You're setting aside time in your day to go to the gym or your home gym or wherever to do this exercise. Not usually for the inherent benefit of the exercise itself, but for the ways it positively affects the rest of your life as you live it, right? So, you know, I'm getting close to 40 now. So I go to physiotherapy a lot. <laughs> My body just hurts as it ages, <laughs> which I think everybody can understand. I do those physiotherapy exercises not because I enjoy doing them. They're not really fun. But when I do them consistently, the rest of my life, I'm able to live with less pain, less physical pain. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we've got okay. this, this yes. kind of analogy of the body. So a meditation, similar to a physical exercise, you're stopping everything else you're doing in your day. You're not eating. You're not running. You're not watching TV. You're not, you're stopping doing those things. You're setting aside some time in your day. Maybe it's one minute beauty with meditation unlike physical exercise, is that you could do it in a minute or two, where mm. physical exercise usually takes longer. Yes, but if only it took a minute to do a workout. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so you're stopping everything you're doing to do this mental exercise. 
just like the physiotherapist exercises, you're not really doing it because the exercise itself is fun. Mm -hmm. I don't find it fun to meditate. I'm not like, oh, I can't wait to meditate. Are you allowed to say that when you're a meditation instructor? <laughs> well, I just did. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the meditation police are coming after me. Um, I don't find it inherently fun. In fact, sometimes it's hard, just like exercise is sometimes hard. Sometimes those weights feel freaking heavy, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. that my bed, my body feels like a bag of, I don't know, you know, potatoes when I'm trying to do my yoga. The exercise itself is not that enjoyable. Why I do it is because it gives me the skill of mindfulness. It is a way that I'm practicing the skill of mindfulness. It's really the best known exercise to be able to be more mindful, which is a skill of having your mind in the present moment more often than not, which is very different than our kind of default mode of our brain, which we know is to be dwelling in the past, reminiscing, thinking about how, say, oh, why did it go that way? Why did I say that? Oh, I wonder if things have happened differently. What mode would my life be like now? Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Missing mm -hmm. the moment. Or different than our default mode of the mind, fast forwarding into the future. This is where so much of our stress and anxiety comes from. What's going to happen in the future? How will my finances be? My family, my health, my job, my right mm -hmm. catastrophizing often. Absolutely. So the meditation is the exercise, not done for the inherent joy in doing the exercise, done so that you can go into your life and live your life not with less physical pain, that's physical exercise, less mental pain and suffering. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, meditation is the exercise. Mindfulness is the skill of having your mind in the present moment. And that's what you get from a meditation. Um, and that's the type of meditation I teach, which is called mindfulness meditation. There are different types of meditations, um, but that's the type that I teach. Excellent. That is a really great uh, description. And I, I think... That's one of the best descriptions I've heard for the difference between meditation and mindfulness. That's so helpful. And I noticed that you say that one of the things you teach is modern meditation. Mm -hmm. And can you tell me um, what it is about modern? Because that that spoke to me. I was like, oh, modern meditation. <laughs> like, oh, I like that. What's that? So how would yeah. you define modern meditation? I love this question. I've never been asked it before. So it's not, if you Google modern meditation, there isn't going to be like, oh, this is exactly what it is. So what I'm teaching is mindfulness meditation, but I call it modern meditation because um, I consider myself a modern material woman <laughs> living in the 21st century. <laughs> and the thing about meditation and even the style I teach is it comes from thousands of years ago. It is literally an ancient wisdom technique. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do with the type of meditation I teach, I'm not changing it. I'm keeping it exactly the same, true to thousands of years ago, but I'm just helping people understand how it can apply to a modern life, a life mm. where you have a spouse and maybe you have kids and you have family and you have stress and you have a job and you have all the stresses and the trappings of a modern life, but how we can infuse this ancient wisdom tradition into a modern life. And it can be honestly the most powerfully transformative practice I've ever found to be able to navigate the stresses and the chaos of modern life with more ease. So really just applying these ancient techniques and teachings to what it means to be a modern person living in our Western world. 
That's so good because yeah, for people listening, um, you know, most of our listeners are busy women and, you know, sometimes you think of meditation as being like the monk sitting on the right. mountaintop and you're like, well, <laughs> that is not, not my me. life. <laughs> yes. I am, or like even sometimes in the magazines, right. You see the woman sitting on the, on the dock and yeah, um, just so peaceful. Yeah. Right. And it's yes. like, that's just not life. So I think that makes, I, I, I think when you call it modern meditation, what yeah. that does is it makes it more accessible for people yeah. and more relatable for someone, exactly. for people to say, okay, that fit, that could fit it potentially into my life. So exactly. thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. So we talked to a little bit, I know you talk a lot about intentionality mm-hmm. and intentional living. And I think that that really relates to flourishing. And what we're trying to do here is to get people to realize that flourishing is something that it is a practice. Like it's what you do every day that links to, that helps us to flourish. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you mean by intentionality and how that can relate to a flourishing life. Yeah, for sure. So often when I'm teaching, um, whether I'm teaching, you know, in a keynote at a conference, or I'm teaching in a workplace training program where I'm working with companies over time to help their employees learn these skills to really apply them and and be able to do their work better and live their life better, or whether I'm teaching my yoga class here where I live in uh, Banff National Park. I, when I look at words, I often like to look at like the opposite. What's the opposite? Okay. So if we're saying we want to be intentional in our lives, we want to live intentionally. So what would the opposite be of that? So to me, the opposite of intentional, which is actually also the opposite of mindful, the word mindful being purposefully present in the moment, the opposite of those is autopilot, Mm. right? Is just living in a way that's unconscious. And so many of us do this. Like so many of your listeners can think to themselves, you know, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? Now it might be different for all of us, but it's probably similar for each person every day. Maybe it's their alarm buzzes and they hit snooze. And how many, you know, day after day after day, you do that same thing. And you probably then cascade into a very similar, um, you know, a rapid succession of things that you do. Okay, I hit snooze twice. Then I wake up. Then I scroll on Instagram until I'm panicking because I don't have enough time to get ready. Then I jump out of bed and then I yell at my kids because they're not out of bed either. And then I, Mm -hmm. and it's like, wow, how does the same thing just keep happening every day? Mm-hmm. And then we look at like, you know, it's still January here when we're recording New Year's and mm-hmm. everyone going, oh my God, I want to know, how did I get here? I got to switch things up. That's like, New Year's is like, I want to live more intentionally. I want to go to the gym. I want to be more present in my life. I want to work on my stress. I want to, mm-hmm. so the opposite is being on autopilot. And your listeners can even think to themselves like, what's the thing that I do in my life that I don't even think about doing? It just happens. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's drinking coffee. <laughs> I think for most people that would, that maybe would be about right. Maybe it's scrolling on social media. Maybe it's just, you know, I default, I autopilot to a finished dinner and I sit on the couch and I watch Netflix. I'm not saying any of these things are necessarily bad on their own. What I think is negative is living a life on autopilot where you mm. just do the things you've always done, not because you want to do them, but because you've always done them that way. I see this in in companies too. I mean, when I worked in not-for-profits, now that I work with organizations as a consultant, hear people saying, but we've always done it that way. Yes. 
autopilot, unconscious living. And it's no surprise, you know, you look at some of the research around folks who are in end of life care, like comfort care, they know that they're dying. I mean, I guess technically we all do, but they really are close to the end. And they have um, research, they've asked these folks, what what are your greatest regrets? Mm -hmm. And the top regret of people who are literally on their deathbed is that they didn't live a life true to themselves. And if that's not a result of living on autopilot, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. You do the things that your family expects of you. You do the things that your work expects of you. You do, you know, your friends expect of you or society expects of you. And then you get to the end and you're like, what was I doing? And I think just to relate it back to my own story, like that was the moment of loss of my mom. Wait a second. Wait a second. And it really is a gift to get that moment to stop before the end of your life. And again, your mm-hmm. listeners maybe have experienced what we have, loss of a loved one, or or maybe it was a loss of a job, or maybe mm-hmm. it was a health scare themselves that mm-hmm. sometimes we finally stop and we go, wait a second, what am I doing? Yes. What am I doing in this job? What am I doing in this relationship? What am I doing in this town? I'm not living intentionally. Mm-hmm. So intentionality is the opposite. It's like, making choices in your life on purpose being, and the thing is you have to be present in your life to make choices. So that's where mindfulness ties in. You got to be mentally in the present moment to say, okay, I have a choice right now. I don't have to sit tonight and just watch Netflix. I could do something else. I don't have to drink that sixth cup of coffee (laughs) right now. I could do something else. And that's kind of the new year, the new year energy is people go, wait a second, time is passing. I could mm-hmm. change what I'm doing. But the power of mindfulness is that we don't have to wait for a new year. We don't have to wait for a Monday, start of a new month. These All these times where people see time passing and they go, yes. wait a second, I'm not living in this moment. Like literally this moment that we are in right now is ripe with possibility. You can make a different choice right now. And when we're on autopilot, I don't think we realize that. I don't think we realize that. We don't. Oh, Trish, this is so powerful. And I Hmm. get goosebumps when you Mm -hmm. talk about how um, the people who at the end of their lives, how their biggest regret is not being true to themselves. And that breaks my heart. And Mm -hmm. I am in the trailer for this podcast. I talk about how um, one of the quotes that gets me every time is how most people go to their grave with their song unsung. Right. And when I think it, it, it it reminds me of that, the, the not being true to yourself and getting to the end of your life. And I think you're right. It's that living on auto autopilot, um, that unconscious living that can get us there. Cause we think, and it's not that those people like have done anything wrong. It's like you said, like they're, they're probably just doing all the things that we're all doing. Right. And, and doing the things like raising their kids and having going to their job and, and taking the dog to the vet, doing all the things right. That we do. Life is a lot. I mean, life, life is, is a lot. lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's not that we, we mean to be like, living unconsciously or on autopilot, uh, it just kind of happens until you hear someone like you speak Trish and, or until that new year or something that mm-hmm. hits you or the loss of a loved one or, or, or some sort of loss that makes you say, wait a second. Yeah. Um, 
now I want to live intentionally and consciously. So, you know, it's nice to talk about, but what practically, like, so if, if the women listening are saying, yes, yes, I want to live intentionally, what can they do? Like, what would you recommend would be some first steps to doing that? You know, there's this, there's a lot of stories that are told like in mindfulness teachings again, because it's, it comes from thousands of years ago. So there's all these, that's how a lot of it has been passed down. It's through these stories. And I would say the first thing to do for me comes in the form of a little story where the story is about this small town. And it's like one of those small towns where like nothing ever happens, you know, it's like mm-hmm. everybody knows each other. Every, there's just never anything interesting happening. I grew up in a town like <laughs> So one day in this small town where nothing ever happens, all of a sudden there's this rumor going around that there is this man who is riding through the town, this very regal, important looking man. He's on a horse and he's riding very quickly through the town. And that actually is the thing that most people are curious about. Why is, where is he going so quickly? And so again, small town, people are talking, who is he? Who, where's he going? What does he do? What's his story? And finally, a couple of the townspeople get enough courage to, to find out. They're like, we're going to go find out. So they say, we're going to go meet at the edge of the town. Uh, you know, we're going to meet there and we're going to wait. We're going to wait as he goes through. And one of us, who knows who, is going to speak up and ask him and figure out who he is and where he's going, what he's doing. And so finally they're standing there, they're waiting and they see him coming in the distance. Okay, here he comes. We're going to, we're going to figure this out. And he's going really, really fast. And you know, like uh, in a, in a cartoon where they're going so fast, they're just like a blur. (laughs) (laughs) So there he goes, he's riding on through. And finally one of the townspeople, one of the brave people just speaks up and goes, wait, where are you going? And in this blur, as he goes by, all they hear is his voice and he goes, I don't know, ask the horse. (laughs) I don't know. So this, I think, also gets at the heart of Mm. living on autopilot and the opposite of living intentionality. But I think part of maybe the first step for a lot of people, a lot of women, a lot of your listeners is like, slow down, Mm -hmm. (laughs) slow down. And this is actually a piece of meditation too. Meditation forces us to stop, Mm -hmm. to literally still our body. And again, it doesn't have to be for 20 minutes doesn't have to be for an hour, can be for one or two minutes. You sit still and you intentionally, here you go, you're already living an intentional life just by doing this practice because you sit still, you're deciding to slow down for one moment. Take one moment for yourself and be intentional about what you're doing with your mind to say, okay, for this next minute, I'm going to do my best to keep my mind right here in the present moment, right here, actually in the only moment, arguably my life is, right? Mm -hmm. My life is unfolding right now. We all have all these Mm -hmm. thoughts about what we're going to do with our future, but it's just thoughts. That's not our life. We don't know. And we have all these thoughts about our past and, but what's the point in doing it? It's like, I'm going to intentionally place my mind in this moment Mm -hmm. for one minute. And my mind is not going to want to stay there. It's going to be like a little kid in a candy shop. It's going to be like, no, but think about the past. No, but think about what's for dinner. No, but they, mm-hmm. and we're going to just do our best because we're only human. Our mind's going to wander and we're going to keep intentionally bringing it back to the moment. And the thing is, whatever you practice with your body or with your mind, you get better at. Mm-hmm. So the more you practice sitting and intentionally placing your mind in the present moment, 
the more, just like you do an exercise, you do a bicep curl, you build, build muscular strength, you do this meditation, you build the skill of mindfulness. Now, as you move about your day, your mind is going to be more in the present moment. And that naturally leads to intentionality just because you're doing that on purpose. You're making a choice to do something with intention that then you'll find yourself, you know, present in another moment where your kids are yelling and someone's broken something and you feel yourself getting really frustrated. And then you're able to slow down again and pause. And instead of reacting, flying off the handle, you can say, how do I want to be intentional about what I say next, about how I act next? And maybe that's just walking out of the room before you blow your top (laughs) and being like, I will come back to this later because right now I'm going to leave a wake of destruction in my path if I act or respond. Yeah. So it's a funny connection that I find people sometimes have a hard, it's like, how will sitting still focusing, but it really does. It's an intentional choice to keep your mind present. And that intentionality starts to thread and weave through your day, just like bicep strength. You'll use it through your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you like know? when you go to pick up those groceries, they're not, they don't feel as heavy um, because you've been working out. It can be that in that moment, yeah, where the all hell is breaking loose yes. and you're about to yell at the kids or whatever yeah. it is. I, I think that's wonderful that it's amazing that in that moment, you actually could say, like, you feel your blood boiling and to be able to then say, how do I intentionally want to respond? That is a beautiful thing. And so many people, um, you know, it's that knee-jerk reaction. And, and and even people that practice this all the time will say, like, there's moments oh, totally. where you're still- Oh, I still react. Know. Yeah. It's just I react yeah. less. And mm-hmm. like, there's actually a book called 10% Happier that's about yes. meditation and mindfulness. And I love it because it's so true. It's like, could you react 10% less in your life? But you might be like, oh, that's nothing. But imagine if every single human being could- do that 10% less could affect harm mm-hmm. in the world 10% less. It's like, imagine what our world would be like. It would be a imagine different what world. Your, imagine what your home could be like. Imagine what your workplace could be like, like the possibilities. Mm-hmm. So that is a, a great idea. So to slow down, mm-hmm. even if it's just for one moment and be intentional, and that will start to translate into other parts of your life. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you'd recommend, um, mm-hmm. Trish, for being intentional? <laughs> I guess, it, I mean, along with the slowing down, it's like it, maybe slowing down is the first step. And then the second ch- step is just remembering that you have a choice. Again, autopilot living kind of tricks us into like, oh, I, I don't have any choices. Oh, I have to do this. How many times have we heard, you know, people, mm-hmm. oh, I have to do that. I have to. Mm-hmm. You are your own, you get to choose every single moment. So the slowing down and then it's like, what choice am I making? Really owning our choices, right? Is helping us to remember this intentionality. I think instead of just, well, I have, oh, this person, no, they think I'm going to do this and they, you know, I have to do this. They expect this of me and this person expects, Yes, all that is true. And you still have a choice. <laughs> so just remembering that mm-hmm. that empowering thought of what am I choosing right now? And if what I'm choosing isn't getting me where I want to go, mm-hmm. maybe some new choices need to be made. Mm-hmm. That is so powerful. So one, slowing down and two, to remember 
that we always have a choice and and we often don't think we do. So I, I love that. And I think I'm even thinking it'd be great to have even just a post-it note, right? With the word choice on it or what yeah. choice am I making? And maybe one yeah. post-it note that says slow down and another post-it note that says what choice am I making? Just yeah. those two things would help us to live more intentionally yeah. and not be living on autopilot. That is so powerful. Thank you for those, Trish. That's amazing. And so one thing um, I always ask people who come on my podcast is what's one thing you would recommend to help women flourish in their lives? And maybe you've already, it's already come up, but if there's, if there's anything else you wanted to recommend that if there's one thing women could do to really flourish, what, what would that be? Yeah, I would actually say, again, it's connected to intention, but like intentionally choose something every day that brings you some joy. Mm. We, you know, I teach a lot about our brain and our thoughts and all these, you know, again, autopilot and consciousness and being intentionally purposeful about having our mind in the present moment. Another kind of trap we get caught in our mind is this negativity bias, which I know you know all too Mm -hmm. well in the work you do. (laughs) Just like it's easy to live on autopilot, it's so easy to be so hyper-focused on what's wrong Mm -hmm. and to not be able to see the little moment. Like there are little moments. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I want you to literally think about all the things that had to go right in your life for you to be listening to this today. Like A, you had to wake up. That Mm -hmm. in itself is something that when you think about that, like we should be able to tap so much joy from that. Yes. Even if you're having the hardest day of your life right now, even if you were like, I need to listen to Brenda's podcast because I'm having the worst day in the world. You woke up. And I'm not saying that to bypass all of your struggles. I'm saying that just to give you this moment of like, I'm here. I can feel the warmth in my body. I can feel my heart beating. I can feel myself breathing. And that is good. Mm. That is like really good, actually. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, even if you are having the hardest day of your life today, there have been other good things that have happened. Mm-hmm. And I think we uh, this negativity bias of our brain just like tricks us into thinking that life sucks a lot. Mm-hmm. That we miss out on the beauty. So if you can intentionally choose something that's joyful every day and nourish yourself with that, whether it's like literally like wearing your favorite sweatpants, I don't know, or drinking your favorite tea or watching the a funny video that you find hysterical or calling up a friend for two minutes and just mm-hmm. telling them you love them and that you care about, like listening to your favorite song, eating a piece of chocolate, just to reframe this in your brain that like to be alive is good, is yes. good, is yes. really good. <laughs> it is, it is. And it's so important to, to do something every day that brings us joy. And it is a great way to counteract that negativity bias. And I love that just thinking about, yeah, what did it take for you to to get here even today, right? Just, and to do this for yourself, to listen um, and to learn something today. So thank you for that, Trish. That's a, a great idea to help people flourish. 
And um, I'm just, I have to say, because I, we talked only briefly about it, but I can see your book behind you that this mindful mornings, <laughs> is that what it's called? It's, it's a journal that you, yeah. can you tell me about that? Because I don't think you had yeah. published that when I talked to you last. Wow. My mindful mornings journal. Yeah. I'll just hold it up uh, really close here. Yeah. So I, it's called the mindful mornings journal, a daily practice for more peace and connection. So this came about, well, I mean, this came about years ago because it's what I do in the morning. It is my practice in the morning. So I like to meditate in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then if anybody knows anything about habits or habit stacking or behavior change, Mm -hmm. you know that um, to, if you have one habit that you're really doing well with, and then you have other things you want to do, it's best to stack them on top of each other. So I just kind of started to do this morning routine um, where I would practice a meditation, which again, some days it's one minute, some days it's 10, some days it's in between. Um, then I I would write down my five pieces of gratitude. Then I write down five goals that I'm working towards. And then I write down a daily intention. So again, that intentional living, like how do I want to show up today? Because who knows what's going to happen today? My calendar tells me lots of things are going to happen, but what we know is life is uncertain. (laughs) Who knows what will happen? But how do I want to show up? No matter what happens, how do I want to show up? I write down a little piece. So I was doing this and then the pandemic hit. And then I was like, well, Trish, if this isn't the rubber meeting the road, I don't know what is. So you better keep doing this. And prove to yourself that this stuff works. This stuff is going to get you through stress and chaos and all this loss of business that I was experiencing. And then, of course, folks would ask me, you know, what do you do? How how do I start a routine? And I was like, I would tell them about what I did. And I thought to myself, I could put this into like a practice for people, into a journal. So I just started writing. I wrote a little introduction of like, what is all that? Like, why did I create this? How to use it? Um, yeah. So the first kind of 10 pages is just all that introduction, a little bit about me and how to do it. And then every page just gives you those prompts, meditation, gratitude, goal setting, daily intention. And yeah, I just decided to make it into something that people could actually purchase and do themselves. And so it's still available on my website there and it gives you a nice little practice to as a foundation for your day to live more intentionally and mindfully. Excellent. Oh, what a great tool for people to have. And I'm so happy for you that Thank that you. you created that. So it's speaking of your website where they can get mindful mornings. Um, how, you know, and I know people will want to connect with you. So how do they, I, I know like your Instagram is amazing and, and, but yeah, what, what's the best, what are some of the best ways to connect with you, Trish? Yeah. Instagram is great. I'm on there every day. However, if you message me on Sundays, this is me slowing down. This is me slowing down. I take every Sunday off of Instagram because I am addicted to it. So I delete it from my phone completely. (laughs) That's my version of slowing down on Instagram is I have to delete it, which it works very well. Um, But yeah, I'm easily accessible on there. Trish underscore Tutton is my handle. Uh, There's a contact form on my website too, trishtutton.com. And yeah, either one of those. is um, T-U-T-T-O-N. That's right. So yeah. Trish underscore Tutton on Instagram and your website was trishtutton.com. Trishtutton.com. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, if people want to learn like what, what sorts of things like you have meditation yeah. courses you do and you do um, corporate speaking. 
Yeah. So generally the three main things that I do are, are I do keynote speaking. So speaking at one-off events, conferences, retreats, workshops, things like that. Uh, I do workplace training programs where I come in and it's usually over eight or 12 weeks or some of my clients we I work with year round. And every week I do basically a mindfulness class with the team, uh, helping them to incorporate some of these tools to manage stress and be more effective at work. And then I have my modern meditation course, which I run a couple times a year, like a small handful of times a year. It's a weekend course where you learn how to meditate no apps required, no recordings required. Over one weekend, you've got this skill to take away with you for a lifetime for more ease and fulfillment in your life. Excellent. That's so good. So um, get connected with Trish. Her Instagram is very entertaining. You're, you're very good at the reels and everything. And oh. it's, uh, you really know, I love how you approach all of this because, you know, meditation and mindfulness can be seen as so serious and you approach it with some fun and, and you add in a bit of that fun and joyfulness. I don't take the... myself very seriously. So <laughs> it's, it's really great. So thank you so much for being here today on the podcast, Trish. It's been such a delight to speak with you today. Thanks for listening to the She Flourishes podcast. I hope this episode has inspired you to keep on creating the flourishing life you deserve. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who would benefit from it. And remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening. To learn more about how you can live a flourishing life, head over to brendajasmine.com or follow me on Instagram at underscore brendajasmine. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, keep on sharing your gifts with the world. See you soon.